over the last three years, we had 300 Lutheran adults who came in and volunteered in the programs. I think that's huge. I mean, you think about how are, how are we going to make impacts in places like this? You know, we, like the old hymn says, we need the army of God to come in, like a mighty army moves the church of God. Hello everyone and welcome back to Every Moment Is. This is the second part of our conversation with Pastor Gerard Bowling and John Schmidtke from Bethlehem in North St. Louis. Holy Cross was privileged to help with the ministries that they're doing this last summer as they reach out into these impoverished neighborhoods, uh, giving kids especially a safe place to learn about Jesus and to grow. And so I hope you enjoy this conversation. How do we reach beyond maybe our comfortable set of people? Like the people that are already kind of tuned into what the church is tend to be attracted to a church that has kind of what they want. How do we get past that dynamic to go to people who maybe make a lot less money than us, you know, or maybe have a different skin color than us in our community? Like what's some practical advice or... I mean, maybe you're already giving it, just going out and loving those people, you know? Um, but yeah, can you give us any more? I want to I start this, but I'm going to pass it over to Pastor Bowen and, and really back to the two of you because you're not that far away from my kids' generation, really. Um, and here's the exciting thing that I've seen, and, and uh, Pastor Bowen showed me this. So my youngest son, who is a fifth-grade Lutheran school teacher up in... Um, Roseville, Minnesota, he's 30, let's see, what is that? <laughs> 30, 30, yeah, he's going to be 30, 30, this week he's going to be 30. Oh, I almost forgot, November 19. Wow. We build you out. Thank yeah, you, thank you. <laughs> Nat, Nat played football at Concordia St. Paul, and Nat is the kind of person who says, let's go. You know what kind of that means in in, in younger generation, younger adult. Let's go. And here's the thing that I've, I've observed, and if it's, this is wrong, correct it, but I think it's right because you've shared it, Pastor Bowling. I'm excited about the 30-somethings and the 20-somethings because you want to go, you don't, I don't know, you want to go at ministry and you want to go into areas. You're going to go live in the city if that's where you feel called to live. You're going to live in wherever God, and you may not be there forever. You know, you're going to be more like buying IKEA furniture that it's going to come in, it's going to be there for a while. It's not going to be the, you know, like in Carol House. Yeah, that, that, that you're going to have it forever. You know what I mean? But floral patterns. <laughs> How do we know we want that cover. for 30 years? Yeah. You know? But you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying is that I think that is just so exciting for the church today. You guys are like, let's go. And if we have to change a little bit here, or so what if it's different than where we were five years ago? So I think it's so funny you would mention furniture because I was going to do a metaphor about furniture <laughs> and how my wife and I, when we furnished our house, we just bought stuff that worked for that time. And we've got this yellow futon in our living room that finally gave its last breath on the cross, <laughs> right, this week. My kids you don't want to recover it? We don't want to recover it. 
my my kids were jumping on it, you know, and it went kapooey right in the middle. And so we had to buy a different piece of furniture for that space. But I mean, just being okay with things changing, right? I mean, things change all the time. Um, and maybe style will change and, you know, maybe approach will change. It's okay if things change. I think that like the, the 30s on down um, workforce that we have, because that's really our workforce, mm -hmm. they're okay with adapting missionally and being adaptive leaders to what's happening as it's happening. So what I was really proud of during COVID was Everybody wasn't like, I'm freaked out about this. I'm burnt out. I don't want to do this. They were like, okay, just give us more direction about how we can change it and let's mm -hmm. change it together, right? Um, and that's the cool thing about urban ministry too because you got to keep doing that every few years. Um, the directionality changes. I mean, you take a program like BBO that's been going on for almost 30 years. Mm -hmm. And BBO today has more of the teenage group in it the about 14 plus than it's ever had. It used to be more towards middle school and younger kids in it. So there's adaptation and change that comes with that too, right? Um, the longing for community that kids need, it's even kind of, I mean, amped up during COVID. So how can we provide more of those experiences for them? And it becomes racial as well, right? So the way that our kids feel about this, and I was just actually talking to your wife about this at lunch, the way our kids feel when somebody comes in that doesn't look like them is that they start with a baseline of, does this person love me? right? Because if this person actually loves me and this person cares about me, um, then that changes the whole dynamic of our relationship. That's why a lot of our kids have problems at school because the teachers are paid to be there or somebody promised them a student loan would come off or something, you know, and they're paid to be in these urban schools and they know that the teacher doesn't love them. They know that the teacher doesn't care about them. So when they know that, they react differently, right? But if you have a group that comes in and says, hey, I love you and I love you so much, not only in an earthly way, but I love you with the love of Christ, it changes the whole dynamic of how those kids listen and what they want to learn. And it also changes the way that they think about you. There are presuppositions that groups have coming in on how it'll be to work with urban kids, but there's also presuppositions about the way the kids think about the people that will come in, right? Um, and both of those things get to be disarmed during that time together as they learn about each <coughs> other. And you can't generalize anymore and say, all white people like this. Our kids can't do that, you know, because they're like, well, I met this person and they said this or mm -hmm. that. And then it goes vice versa. You begin to see the problem behind the problem, like I talked about yesterday, that's not just on the surface. Um, and it becomes this beautiful dynamic, but it's fueled by a connective relationship. And that's what you've got to make at all of our programs, especially EAC. Yeah, that's one of the things that really interests me about this, you know, partnership between, I mean, we're a predominantly white, mm -hmm. you know, Central Nebraska congregation, you know, historically, I'd say most of the people here have German last names. I mean, just mm. if you look through the, <laughs> um, it's mostly German and, and uh, that's kind of our, our history here. And, and then uh, Bethlehem being predominantly African-American. It's like, what a great opportunity to kind of get to know each other and have some of those presuppositions break down on both ends. Um, and and uh, I wasn't able to hear the presentation the college kids gave yesterday, but uh, my wife had attended. But I think that was a really formative experience for them to to go and just meet people. And um, yeah, we're going to take a little like interlude here. Uh, and um, before we go into the next couple of questions, I just wanted to 
just highlight a couple of things that you guys are doing. Uh, if people want to just hear more from both of you, um, first, you've got a podcast, uh, Pastor Bowling, and you do it with your sister, who's a deaconess. Mm -hmm. And this is uh, called the Impartial Church. And um, as I was suffering through some runs this uh, this summer in the hot August weather, I, I had a chance to listen to a couple episodes and just really appreciated the the conversation. And um, it's called the Impartial Church, and it's done by Lutheran Hour Ministries. Mm -hmm. What's the easiest way to find it just to search Impartial Church? Yeah, so Impartial Church can be found wherever you find podcasts at. Um, Spotify, <coughs> iTunes, um, all the smaller apps, everything else. Uh, and it's connected also to Lutheran Hour's website. It's one of their family of podcasts that they have. Um, and that podcast is really about racial diversity in the church, uh, how we react to different things as the church uh, when it comes to issues of diversity and inclusion. Um, we finished season one, and season one is already out, so you can listen to it right now. Mm -hmm. um, and season two will be on its way closer to this summer. So we're excited about that. Good, too. good. Cool. We'll make sure we put a, we'll put a link to that on our Facebook page. Thank and, you. Uh, yeah. If there's any millennials on Facebook, I don't know. If <laughs> <laughs> you got Instagram? I don't know. Put it on Snapchat. Yeah. Well, then it'll disappear. I don't know. Notes. I don't even know what these yeah. things put are. It the notes Speaking of foreign of language to me <laughs> over here. <laughs> we'll send an email. Um, yeah. See, that's where everybody meets. Yeah, kind that's, of. That's yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Pastor Schmitke, you had uh, written a book called A Place Not Forgotten. And uh, I think we have a couple copies in our library. And... Um, can you just kind of give a, a little overview of your book? And uh, yeah. Well, first, the best thing about the book is that it, it, even though it feels big, like it's a collection of essays that only go like two to three pages, <laughs> and then you can put it down. I'm not a fast reader, so that I always said if I was going to write a book, it was going to be like that—that that you could mm -hmm. just take pauses. The the book is really a result of. Um, a lot of people who, who uh, I mentored and have been part of my life in ministry who asked me to just talk about what the journey has been like. And I don't know all the answers by any means, but I do know most of the questions. And so um, the book talks about partially the journey of Bethlehem and how we got to where we are. Um, people have said that it's devotional in nature too. And that was intended in that. Um, it's also a book that, I think it's a, a book that can really spur some good discussion about church issues and, and mission. Um, some churches have used it in that way where they've gotten copies of the book and they've said, you know, let's read these three essays and then talk about them. And, and that's kind of useful too. Sometimes when you want to talk to somebody or you want to bring up a topic, it doesn't come as great from me, um, but it could come from a book or it could come from a podcast or something like that, and it just gets the discussion going. Good. So uh, just kind of wanted to talk about ministry right now and just some of the things you're doing, some of the challenges and the opportunities of where you're at. Um, so, yeah, what's going on right now? kind of a daily, weekly basis, what are just some great opportunities or, or challenges, too, that you have? Well, when you want to hit daily and weekly as far as at the Bethlehem campus? Man, there's so much going on. Um, 
I think that, uh, <clears throat> so Bethlehem, our EAC program and the Greater Things program in general, um, is an effort to sort of duplicate ourselves um, in other communities uh, so that we're reaching kids in those communities, north side communities, like we do at our place, but also so that we're doing some leadership development of new leaders to be able to uh, serve as team leaders or the teams at those different places. So it's a both and, and I think a really cool thing that's happening now is that we're developing some of those leaders to be able to take over their own sort of leadership areas of the world or corners of the world for us, um, which is really Really nice and seeing the fruition of that um, even with teenagers too right because we've got a lot of teenagers that are kind of in our leadership development pod right now um, working in our programs and working with the little kids which is good and are, are these teenagers that have grown up in your church or there are people who have become volunteers connected to your so, so both and, actually. Um, at the EAC program, we've got some girls who are just older than everybody else. They're about 17, and they take it on themselves to kind of teach the little kids, and they really enjoy doing it. So we're sort of equipping them at that campus with the ability to do that, and they haven't grown up at Bethlehem whatsoever. Hmm. We've got other kids at our BAS program uh, who more or less have grown up at Bethlehem and come through some of our programs. Um, that are now taking the reins uh, as high schoolers and saying, hey, I want to work in these programs and I want to do something more for it, um, who are doing that. So that's been really exciting to so see So what is that. EAS and BAS? Uh, BAS, Bethlehem After School is uh -huh. BAS. That's our campus's version of, of the after school program. Okay. And it works with the char charter school on our campus, the Arch Community School. Uh, that meets there every single day. So, so, you're, so after school, Monday through Friday, you've, just, mm -hmm. you've got kids who will come, yep. um, and you've got the gym open, and, and there's like homework help and things well, like that. Well, so BAS is actually a program that, you know, the school is during the daytime. Um, when that public charter school is done, then we get them after school. So we get the opportunity after school to teach them about Jesus. So they do Bible lessons. Um, and then they also have Imagination Station. They have a few kind of other stations they rotate to. It's a little bit more of an organized program um, as far as scheduled of time. Yeah. Um, they don't go to the gymnasium every day and play. Um, they kind of go from thing to thing, and then they go okay. home right after that. Yeah. Sounds like a little bit like VBS, a little bit. I mean, just in the way yeah. that you have a structured kind of, yeah. you move from this to this to this. And, yeah. uh, but, then, um, and, but then the summer so EAC is a separate thing from okay. BAS. So on, on the Bethlehem campus, yeah. in, in the ministry to our area, there are things like um, the after school, Bethlehem mm -hmm. after school program. There's something called Bethlehem Bible Outreach. Okay. Um, there's small groups. Um, we have about seven small groups to minister to adults. So we can have that intimacy that you were talking about earlier. You, Worship is great, but it's only, you know, it's limited in how close people can grow. And then we use other different means, music. Um, you know, we have like a youth choir that we started, and um, we use drama. There's dance. There's dance groups and that. There's, like I said, basketball. So there are those things that we do as part of our regular church ministry to our community. Bethlehem is a church that out of a $300,000 budget, and that's just exclusively Bethlehem, only 70000 comes out of the offering plate. So we've been blessed over the years, and this has been going on for my 30 years there, that we've had 
sister church friends and individuals. That's how, so every year we're depending on God for about $220,000 that we don't know where it's going to come. We have been the recipients of kindness from the church at large. Um, you know, where the church is working together, not just where each individual congregation takes care of its own. Because if it was that case, we wouldn't be open. I mean, there wouldn't be any ministry there. And that's probably the reality in a lot of places. Even as we grow, I mean, the reality is, even as we grow because of the economics, we're always going to be dependent on people helping us. Our people give, but their income levels are limited to the ministry that we do. So about a dozen years ago, about 12 years ago, we were really thinking as a church, okay, how do we give in the same way that people keep giving to us? We can't write a check, but what we can do is we're, we're pretty good at going into high crime, high danger areas like the urban core and doing ministry. So that's what created this program called Greater Things, mm. where we said, we want to go, in addition to continuing the home front ministries, we want to go and pour into other places. We started in a place called Walnut Park. Um, there we were both doing kids ministry, and we were really sort of doing a church renewal with the church. And uh, that went well, and... Um, then from there, we got into reaching out into the Ferguson area. So Greater Things is the program of what we call it. The actual ministry in it, we, we uh, have called it EAC, Ephratha Activity Center. We're almost to Christmas time again, and Micah 5.2 is going to come up in the readings, but you, Bethlehem, Ephratha. Mm. Ephratha is nicknamed for Bethlehem. So the Bethlehem Activity Center, we didn't want to call it that. It's the Ephrathah Activity Center. It's Bethlehem, but it's not Bethlehem. And so we've done that in just a host of other North City and North County areas to try to seed ministry in places where it wasn't happening. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I just say this too. Somebody's saying, well, where's this all going to go? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I know, we know right now that there are a lot of people, kids, youth, families, coming to know Jesus. Mm -hmm. So that makes it worth it in and of itself. But as we go forward and as we try to expand that outreach, could it be that maybe a mission is going to start off the campus of Bethlehem? That would be terrific. But we want to be flexible and nimble enough to know when the right time of that is and how it happens um, as we keep telling people about Jesus. Yeah. Awesome. It's a game of scaling, too. So mm -hmm. we have to make sure that we have enough leaders to staff every place that we open up, right? Um, and we can get as many kids as will fit in a space at a time, um, but keeping it quality is something that's important too. One of the other things that's really notable about this is we don't just have sister church congregations that give financially. We have mm. those congregations yeah. actually come in and interface with the kids. So we have congregations that come in on a weekly basis to the EAC program. We have others that choose monthly. We have others that just come once a quarter or once a semester. We have others that say, hey, we're going to do this annually and everybody together piecemeals time with the kids that's intentional time together um, to be able to come and do ministry and like I said um, kind of build those relationships that mm -hmm. fuels things over time 
Um, so that's been really meaningful for the volunteers. And I feel like everyone has this big sense of we're all in this together, right? Um, more than just empowering us to do something more, but coming with us to do yeah. that as well. I think there's, and it's, it's so nice to hear this, and it, it's like very exciting, you know, because mm -hmm. you think, oh yeah, that's what the kingdom of God looks like, right? And it's like, um, and sometimes we struggle to connect the dots, you know, when we have this maybe energy, people want to do something, they don't know exactly how to, and the structure's not there, or, you know. So it's really neat to see that, you know, regionally happening. And I know, yeah, just to echo what you're saying is, you know, we sent some college uh, ministry students there recently and they, they came back and they were like deeply moved. You know, I, three of the young guys that were there were talking about it on Sunday and I think two of them kind of choked up and teared up just, yeah. just from some of the impactful stories, you know, the tragedy, the, the love that some of the people show in the community and then uh, just feeling inspired and challenged by that. So I think it's, you know, it's doing so many good things in so many different directions, and it's really cool to see. You know, it hits things on multiple levels. And, um, you know, Pastor Bolin has been the, he's been the, the, the real leader of bringing, of connecting churches. So, like, during uh, our More Greater Things program, over the last three years, we had 300 Lutheran adults came in and volunteered in the programs. I think that's huge. I mean, you think about how are, how are we going to make impacts in places like this? You know, we, like the old hymn says, we need the army of God to come in, like a mighty army moves the church of God. You know, and take that rhetoric and make it have legs. You know, 300 people coming in, and not just the impact of what they do, but the education that they receive and that, you know, that basically white suburban, you know, people receive about young African-American kids and young African-American kids mm -hmm. receive about white suburban people. I think that's the dynamic, even beyond helping people know Christ, that's the dynamic that starts to change people, you know, in some of the racial and economic issues. Mm. You know, there's a story, you need to tell the story, uh, Pastor B, if you would, about the phone that got took and, you know, how oh, yeah. arresting that was and, and arresting also to field workers. Like, you know, when people are, this program is equipping future pastors too. Yeah, so we had a seminarian that works for one of the EAC campuses, and uh, it was a night that we were all out doing ministry at different places, and um, so I wasn't super available, but uh, got a phone call from them, and they were freaking out because uh, he had his phone out and uh, was getting a kid onto the van, and the kid said, well, can I use your phone to call so-and-so, and so he handed the phone over to this kid, and this kid took the phone and ran into the bushes and disappeared into the darkness. Um, and so, you know, two things, two lessons mm -hmm. came out of that. Um, number one, this seminarian thought it would be as simple as calling the mom and I'm going to be able to get this phone back. We're going to be able to work it out. Um, called mom and mom said, well, you can basically call the police because uh, I'm at my wits end with this kid. And, you know, mm -hmm. he's better off in jail than with me. And I haven't seen him in this many, this many years or this many days, you know, um, and so that was a striking moment for us, just of, uh, or that group rather, just of parenthood and what it looks like in that area. 
um, and just being okay with not knowing where your son is, you know, and saying, just call the cops. The second thing is, it was a learning moment for etiquette in the urban center. So one of the rules that I give them is never have your phone out, mm-hmm. right? Unless it's on your person. And when you have your phone out, make sure that it's secure enough so that it's just right in your hand and you're popping it right back in your pocket. Never give something away to somebody else. Don't have something so loose that it goes in that way. It's just good posture, right, in the urban center. Um, so that seminarian got to learn that, unfortunately, the hard way, right? They'll never retain yeah. the phone. Um, but it's now they know. They'll lesson. never forget it in yeah. ministry. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But he didn't have to like pay for college credits for that lesson. Exactly. He got it for for just the street. Just for free. Yeah. 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 Well, and you know, um, you talked about twenties and thirties and, and sometimes in the church, it feels like we're kind of picked on a little bit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Those millennials, which usually means anybody younger than you. But I do sense in, in our generation and in g- the generation younger than us uh, that there is sometimes this discontent with maybe what our parents had, you know, just kind of this, you know, go to college, get a job, move to a nice neighborhood, upgrade. <laughs> and people are kind of restless with that and just the opportunity there is to maybe do something different. And um, because I, I do know that like in, you know, I think that our generation feels a little let down by the church when it comes to say uh, issues of justice or race or things like that. Our, if you talk to a lot of people our age or younger, they might say, yeah, we're kind of disappointed in the church and, and it's just good mm-hmm. to see opportunities where the gospel, I mean, the gospel is the gospel, but the gospel has these wider effects, right? Of like reconciling people and building trust between people uh, and in a way that nothing else really can, you know. Um, it's just encouraging to see Bethlehem having all these people coming together and having those experiences. So. You know, I think of two words, you know, to follow up with that. As I've watched it, and as I've learned from Best of Bowling, I think this, the millennial generation, many are ready to take risks for ministry. But they're also thoughtful, you know? And those are kind of a nice balance in there. Sometimes, you know, like, I mean, like when I was, when I was in my 30s, I was, you know, taking risks that my dad thought were crazy too, you know? But then there's thoughtfulness with it, you know? So there's a balance. And I think that that characterizes that generation. And that's what's so exciting. If it was just risk, you'd be sort of like, oh, you'll find out one day, you know. You're going to be sorry, right? <laughs> but, but when it's thoughtful, no, <coughs> no, it, it's, it's working. That's exciting to me. Well, it's just been a, a joy to have you both uh, here in Kearney and uh, just having you on the podcast and we're just excited to continue to hear about uh, what God's doing at Bethlehem and, and, you know, maybe we can be a little small part of that and, and it's just, uh, it's good. So thank you both for, for being here. Thank you. Yeah, thank we you. appreciate it. Yeah.